Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, March 8th, 2020. The share ID numbers for Friday, March the 6th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,221. That's 14221. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,223. That's 14223. This morning, A Vision for You presents Neutrality Within. The purpose of steps one through nine is a personal transformation leading to a spiritual awakening and to be placed in a position of neutrality, safe, and protected. The Big Book provides clear-cut directions to these steps, which will remove the things that block us from the higher power deep down within us. Neutrality, at its most basic level, is freedom from the mental obsession to compulsively overeat as a result of working the 12 steps. It is one of the 10-step promises, as outlined in the big book, where we are told that we will cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, in our case, food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We are also promised that we will no longer find the thought of compulsive overeating tempting, and that this new ability to react sanely and normally will come to us without any thought or effort on our part. The mental obsession has been removed. However, the big book also gives us a very clear warning. If we do not keep in fit spiritual condition, we will relapse. Our mental obsession will return. Our neutrality within will diminish. We will become insane again. How do we keep the neutrality within and in fit spiritual condition? We retain this inner neutrality through the practice of steps 10, 11, and 12. And this is our topic today. Joining us today are two recovered compulsive overeaters who are loyal servants of Overeaters Anonymous, leading groups through the text of the big book and carrying the message of recovery. And it's a great privilege and with great appreciation that I welcome Terry A.H. from Maine and Suzanne B. from California. So let's get started with Terry. Welcome, Terry. Good morning, and thank you, Leah. My name is Terry A.H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And Suzanne and I would definitely like to just thank Leah and, uh, for inviting us today, and it's always an honor and privilege to carry the message of the 12 steps. And as Leah just mentioned, Suzanne, Suzanne and I um, do lead step workshops together, and our aim 
is to deepen the experience for people having uh, uh, work in the steps as they're laid out in the big book. And some of you may already recognize my voice and know some of my story already. Um, Suzanne, you may not be uh, as familiar with, um, as she will share some of her story through the first nine steps this morning. And we'll take us into the topic today um, of inner neutrality um, practices 10, 11, and 12. And um, again, um, we're, we're glad to be here with you um, today. And um, here we go. So I'm going to pass it over to Suzanne. Thank you, Terry. Hi, everybody. My name's Suzanne, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm going to start by telling you that I do have a sponsor and that my weight is within my BMI. So food was a battle for me, and I continued to gain weight till I was about 200 pounds. And what happened was that 45 years ago, I read an article in Ann Landers on OA, and I went to a meeting, and there were about eight housewives there. Only one had, was abstinent, and she'd been abstinent for three months. And the bottom line was that the meeting just didn't speak to me. So then, 37 years ago, when I was desperate and clinically depressed, I remembered the 12 steps, which I'd only heard once. And what happened was I I just kind of started uh, racking my brain for what to do because I was, I, I, I felt like I tried everything. I did therapy. I'd taken medication, I did self-help, I did religion, I did all sorts of diets. And then I remembered the 12 steps, and I remembered that they dealt with finding God. So I knew deep inside that's what I needed, that I was missing uh, spirituality. So by that time I moved, and I found an OE meeting, I went to it, And the woman sitting next to me said she'd sponsor me. And I had really no clue what she was talking about. I just said, okay, (laughs) you want to sponsor me? Great. And she told me to buy a big book, and she told me to read it cover to cover. And I did. So that's what desperation did for me. It um, pushed me into just immediately saying yes. And I didn't even have a clue to even look for a new sponsor. I was just hurting too badly, and I just went along with the program and what I was told to do. So 37 years ago, the only OA literature were the pamphlets. There were no books. The uh, OA 12 and 12 hadn't come out yet. And so working the steps initially was... A mishmash. I was in a small town, and long story short, I found when I was when I returned to reading the big book, my food would lift. And the first thing that I stopped eating was ice cream. I just lost my desire to eat it. And then what happened is, as I continued on just reading the big book, I wasn't even working the steps as laid out in the big book at that time. Uh, other foods lifted. And that gave me a pretty structured food plan by my higher power. And so I'm going to fast forward to 2003 when the phone meeting started. And the phone meetings, 
there were two food programs not under the umbrella of OA. And on one of them, there was a big book study being advertised by a woman who was going line by line through the big book. And I loved the big book, so I got on. And they were on step three, so I missed a lot. And I had a lot of ego, so I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, I know steps one and two. You know, I'm powerless. I believe in God. And what I didn't realize that my foundation for step one was as shaky as it was. And that translated for me, even though my food had lifted, into having a lot of issues with people, especially with my siblings, my family, and at work. So my stories that I found a big book process that worked for me because there are a lot of them out there. And when I found one that worked for me, it was the game changer in my program. So the big book spends a lot of time clarifying step one. Dr. Silkworth tells us what the medical and the physical aspects of the problem are. And he says it's like an allergy. So I eat certain things and I have trouble stopping. And then I can't stop obsessing. And I can't stop the spiritual malady, which is elusive. And it has to be clear to me or had to be clear to me that nothing material could solve my problem. And that happened, and that forced me into step two. And because nothing, I, I truly believed nothing could solve my problem, it allowed me just to automatically hold, hold open to spirituality. And the beautiful thing about the 12 steps is that I get to decide what that is. I get to put together that concept for myself of a higher power. And for me, it has to be omnipotent, really large, because in We Agnostics, it says that we have to fearlessly face the proposition and some synonyms for proposition are the idea or the belief. And it's that idea or belief that God is everything or else he's nothing. God either is or he isn't. So if God is, in my world, he or she or it has to be really big because there are a lot of things, especially today, that do bother me in the world. So I move on into step three, and for me that's simply going with the, the flow and learning to trust and have patience with this omnipotently positive force. And a big piece of step three when we read pages 60 through 63 in the big book is that I'm not God, I don't have to be God, and I don't have to be God even though my motives are good. I make myself miserable when I personally have to do things my own way. I lose any internal neutrality that I have. And so I want to have this clear channel to this positive concept so I can hear it closely and clearly. And that's what pushes me into immediately starting an inventory and to clean out what doesn't work for me 
resentment, anger, and fear are some of those things. And then in step five, I get to have support and I get to have input from my sponsor on where I am in delusion and what spiritual principles I'm forgetting to use. And I move into step six and I review my inventory, noting what I don't like that I've done and noting what isn't working for me. And then in step seven, I ask my higher power to remove my character defects. And I practice waiting. I practice waiting for them to be removed because if I could remove them on my own, I would have done so by now. And that hasn't happened. So I need this power to do it for me. And to because I couldn't change my behavior on my own. And so when I see those character defects lift, it enlarges my trust in this power. And then in steps eight and nine, I'm making amends, and I'm learning how to take a risk, and I'm seeing that faith without works is dead. And so I know that amends can be scary, and when I take the risk and do them, I end up with that deep trust, and I end up with more faith that something in this mystery is there, this mystery that I can't see. And that brings uh, it brings us to steps 10 and 11. And for me, before I really, really had any kind of a handle on a big book process um, that, that truly worked for me, step 10 was very, very foggy. And what I'm doing with step 10 is watch, watching my thinking. And I'm watching my thinking throughout my day. I'm being very mindful of my thought process and when I'm angry, especially when I'm angry and when I'm afraid. And when I notice that I'm angry or afraid, I also am aware that my higher power is trying to get my attention because I've gotten off the beaten path. I'm not in neutrality anymore. And if I follow the directions of the big book, if I follow the directions that I, what, I, what I'm told to do with Step 10, I can get back on track. And it took me a lot of experimenting, a lot of listening to see what my higher power was directing me to do. And then what I was able to do was to make, through my higher power's help, the 10th step really work for me so I can pretty readily reconnect, which is, once again, getting myself back to eternal, not eternal, but internal balance. And if I can't, I look at what's bothering me in my nightly review when I do step 11. So step 11 guides me to start my day in inner neutrality, and I want to have this positive concept of my higher power who's giving me directions, because there's a lot of them. And then what I'm doing is I'm mindfully moving through my day. I'm pausing when I'm agitated or doubtful, and I see this again, as my higher power uh, talking directly to me, uh, getting my attention, 
which is very successful because for me, my higher power can truly get my attention when I'm hurting and when I'm very uncomfortable. So I want to be listening and I want to get back on track as soon as possible. And so if I look at internal neutrality like a scale and agitation is a zero and that addictive bliss, that high that I get from that first bite is a 10, my higher power wants me to be perfectly balanced and wants me to be in the middle. And the big book tells me that the problem centers in my mind. And steps 10 and 11 are the practice that I need to be doing all through the day if I want more peace, more serenity, and more emotional sobriety in my life. If I really want things to continue to change. And I didn't want to stay like Pa. Pa, who comes out of the cellar after the cyclone and says, ain't nothing wrong here. I I wanted more than just food abstinence. I wanted to fully grow in all areas of my life. And I want all the promises of the program. I believe that when I first came in, that's what really, really pulled me to the big book. I was young, and I believed it all. So then what I do is at night I review my day, and if I'm still bothered by something that happened, I may do a formal four-step. And then I usually don't do it that night. It's usually the next day. I'll call my sponsor. I'll do a fifth step, and I continue with step six and seven. And what I also personally do is I'll review my week. And if something's still out there that's bothering me, I do four steps and finish up with doing a fifth step and six and seven. And then we get to step 12, and it's crystal clear, starting in the preface and forwards, that we need to sponsor other people. We need to be guiding them through the 12 steps. And I don't believe people have completed the steps until they have taken someone all the way through the 12 steps. And my experience in doing that is I end up deepening my spiritual experience. And there's some type of very powerful, extremely positive change that occurs when I'm working one-to-one with someone or when they're in a group of Terry and mine. So I want to sponsor because I want that experience, and I want to be doing my 10th and my 11th step. I want to be on top of my steps 4 through 7 because that's what I see has truly expanded my life. So with that, I'm going to turn the time back over to Terry so she can talk about steps 10 and 11. Thank you, Suzanne. And um, I just want to share my experience with uh, 10 and 11. Um, So if you want to join me with your big book on page 84, it starts, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests that we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. 
So when they talk about this thought, they're actually talking about the sentence uh, before that paragraph where it says they will always materialize if we work for them. So this is in the results of the ninth step promises coming true, and it's it's telling me that this thought is always going to continue if I continue to do the work. So for me, I like to look at, I like to get current um, for me today. I've been a, away from the food a little, you know, a little while and um, recovered for a, a little uh, a little while, and um, so I like to look at this from, uh, you know, where I am today, away from the food. Um, and uh, just living in the steps. So I like to ask myself, you know, so what's it, what's, what's going on in my life today? Like what's, what's happening in my life through, through step 10. And so I like to kind of look at this as step 10, like spinning my wheels in mud and not going um, anywhere. You know, it's, it's almost like the more I spin, the deeper, the, the, the deeper I get in the mud and um, all, all there is, is is just a mess. So for me, with step 10, I like to go back and think about the first half of the first step and why I'm here today at this point in my recovery. So I like to ask myself, um, on my own power, can I con control the amount of my alcoholic foods all by myself on my own power? Or um, can I control the amount once I start, um, which is equally or even more important, on my own power, do I have the ability to control the stop, or can I stay stopped? So uh, this tells me that um, when I want to stop, you know, do I actually have the ability to stay stopped? Is that is that my truth still today, my first step problem? And so the second half of step one, where the unmanageability comes in, you know, the spirituality in my life, I ask myself, on my own power, do I have the ability to control my life all by myself um, and if I do how am I doing with my emotional natures you know the bedevilments which show up on page 52 so I always like to go back to my first step problem to really you know kind of just uh, really know for myself that why I have to continue to do this work and um, it, it you know step one is my foundation with what I have going on um, maybe you know, uh, we go through the steps and, you know, I get to a point where I get some step work done, you know, I'm going to meetings, you know, my life gets a little better and I realize maybe I don't need God anymore. And so I stop doing the work or maybe I'm thinking I'm doing, you know, this on my own power and I'm doing great. And usually what I find out with the 10 step is really important in, in, in how it's not a maintenance step, but a growth step. So it's all about growing and effectiveness on a daily basis. So anytime I'm not, I stop doing the work or I get complacent, it's just um, a good reminder that, um, you know, ego is in play again. So step 10, you know, uh, we continue, it says we continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. And so step 10 for me is my blueprint for living. And it's the way I go through my day. And step 11 is the way I end my day with my nightly review, seeing how well I carry the knowledge of God's will throughout my day. Because it is God's will um, that I treat his kids with love and tolerance. And for me, steps 10 and 11 is all about the freedom. And it's, it's all about developing this habit, this sixth sense, this God intuition. So as I turn throughout the day from each activity that I do, um, what begins to happen for me is 
I'm beginning to form this habit of viewing what happens there. So I'd look at, you know, how am I interacting with the world? Do I owe an apology? You know, how did I actually handle it? Did I turn in, you know, to get connected with God in order to go out to get connected with his kids? Um, so I, I look at step 10, you know, it really becomes an automatic for me. And it's not about being tied into the writing, um, writing inventory all the time. That's um, what I've been taught. Um, that's not what I've been taught to do the writing. And, and that's really, that's not what the book says. So I look at, and um, in step four, it says uh, a business which takes no regular inventory goes broke. So I get to I get to turn to another in step five to get access to this power. But in step 10, it talks about a business who's always taken inventory goes broke too because they're never open for business. So if I'm always writing, um, now I'm actually worshiping the paper and pen. And this step is about turning to God first, then out to others. And so the step continues to give me the freedom. Um, and step 10 also says, you know, a little further down, you know, we've entered the world of the spirit. So I look at that. Um, I can also exit the world of the spirit, too. And I ask myself with consideration, what does it actually mean to be in the world of the spirit? And this is something I'd like to take into prayer meditation on a daily basis um, to see where I'm at with it. And, um, you know, what does it mean to exit it, too? I can also look at that as a consideration to see where I, you know, where I am on a daily basis. Um, and I always like to ask myself, you know, am I in the fellowship of the spirit or the spirit of the fellowship? Because if I'm in the fellowship of the spirit, I may not be doing too much. I may be just doing the basis of, you know, um, not going to any lengths. But if I'm in the spirit of the fellowship, I'll be working with others. You know, I'll be carrying the message as a result of working the 12 steps. Uh, I will have a set of spiritual principles to live by, and I will be in balance in all three areas of the triangle and circle, which is unity, recovery, and service. And um, and by living in that balance, I'll be living in the fourth dimension. Um, so I like to just kind of tie the 10 step in with, with Bill's story. You know, on, uh, uh, on page 55, it talks first about the calamity, the pomp, and the worship of things. And in Bill's story on page 13, he talks about the worldly calamities within and, and mostly those within myself, he, you know, he speaks of. And so I look at this when I exit the world of the spirit. Um, could Bill be possibly talking about my ego? <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe the things that I worship, um, you know, the things that I put before God, like the drama, the chaos, um, you know, any external fix um, for that internal problem, um, the things that I think I can control on a daily basis. Um, I exit the world of the spirit when I start worshiping things externally, and it can really happen pretty fast. So I start living in the spiritual malady, you know, um, when these things that I turn to rather than God, and it ends up on page 52, the bedevilment showing up. So my step 10 has just become my step one problem. So now I'm thinking I can manage my life and everyone else's too. So that's why I kind of like to tie in, um, I like to tie in uh, Bill's story and the first first step and the 10th step for me, um, it's just a good reminder why I do this work. And then it talks about, um, uh, you know, we, uh, 
our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And for me, it's not it's not what I do in prayer meditation uh, necessarily that matters. What matters is where I bring it, and my understanding and effectiveness um, is where I need to bring that out into the world and ask myself, how did I do? You know, what did I do that wasn't maybe so effective today, and where did I bring God into all my activities? Um, it tells us to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. And for me, you know, I may take it into a meditative place. And most of the time, it does get removed. Um, I turn to God first, then go right to the realization of the resentment. And um, it's if for some reason, you know, um, I'm still maybe sitting with something, I will write. But by practicing and developing this relationship, you know, um, the whole uh you know, the whole moral of step 10 is, you know, I get to ask God that he remove it at once. And to me, that is the freedom. You know, I get to watch, ask, make, discuss, um, and turn my thoughts with someone, um, turn my thoughts to someone, and that may look like in prayer. So um, when I was taken through this process, um, my guide um had me do little sticky notes to write the words watch, ask, discuss, make, and turn so that I was really getting in tune with those words. And um, the other sticky note that he had me do was um, love and tolerance of others is my code. So how was I doing with that? And um, and it has been really been effective for me because I really get to watch where I am, you know, falling short or off the beam. And so um, love and tolerance, you know, of others is our code. And what does that actually look like for me today? So I get to ask myself, you know, am I being loving and tolerant? And, you know, how did I do with that today? You know, was I gossiping or judging or maybe even texting someone who, um, you know, who share that I don't like or, you know, criticizing someone else's program or maybe even using the big book as a weapon or, you know, bashing meetings because they're not doing it the way I think they should be doing it. Um, so I, I really get to ask myself today, was love and tolerance my code today? And um, the line that I really love that I take into meditation every day is we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Um, and I really, I really do like this because it really kind of just keeps me in that place of neutrality, like how am I doing that? How you know, how am I doing with that? You know, with, with God's help or 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 it will let me know where I did ignore God today if um I am fighting or, you know, I'm up against the wall or rubbing somebody else the wrong way. And um um it's been a great great tool for me to take into meditation every day so that I don't get into the drama and the chaos with um my fellows, and uh, um, I remember what my code is, that uh, is love and tolerance. It also talks about it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle flow. We're not cured of alcoholism. So I like to read it um, coming from, you know, being away from the food for a while and being recovered. I like to uh, read this and how it applies to me. So I would read it. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for ego is a subtle foe. We are not cured of egoism. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent 
on this on our spiritual uh, on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So, you know, for me, as ego rebuilds, um, you know, on a daily basis, it will tell me that I have this thing, um, that, you know, my program's good. It will tell me I'm good. I don't need to do the work. Um, It will also tell me that, you know, um, it it will tell me that it will let me know when I'm going to relapse. And it might not necessarily show up up as overeating um, or a relapse. It might just show up as a as easy as a, a, a breakup in a relationship or a tough friendship or anything that I'm disconnected from God with. And, and now I'm trying to handle it myself. Um, ego will say, you got it and you're going to be good. And so for me with step 10, that's why it's so important for me to stay close to step 10 and do it on a regular basis because life happens. And, um, you know, for me to stay in fit spiritual condition is to stay active in, in 1011 and and definitely working with others um, and that helps me to continue to to really grow with reworking the steps um, on a yearly basis and by doing all these things I have enough God consciousness on a daily basis because by doing steps 10 and 11 and living you know um, living in those three steps 10 11 and 12 I do know today when I'm when I'm not spiritually fit um, and I do know when I'm in trouble, because my truth is, um, I do today know that when those things are showing up, because it's, it's, it's really not me that knows, it's God that knows through me. And it's that God consciousness, that sixth sense that lets me know, like, when it doesn't feel right. And I have to, um, you know, I have access to the one who has all power, you know, they talk about that in, um, you know, how it works. So, um you know, has all power. So if if there's one that has all power, then I must not have any power. So now it becomes a way of life for me for this relationship. And um, what I've learned through this, it it isn't just a theory. You know, I really do have to live it. Um, And I know for me, none of the book will mean um, much if I don't live it. So I begin to live my, um, my life instead of from the outside in, I live it from the inside out. And if I always go within, I will never go without, and, um, you know, and with step step 11, you know, my experience with step 11 is I know there are specific directions, and by the time I've entered the world of the spirit, you know, with step 10 of my understanding and the, the way that I, that I do it, I uh, show, you know, how other people do it too, and it's kind of, for me, it's personal and it's individual, and um, that's why I think Step 11 is so beautiful because it's so broad. Um, and I want to do what the book says, but I, I believe it's wide open for my own personal interest, and um, that's why it's it's such a beautiful step because there's so much of it, and it doesn't have to look a certain way, even though the book gives us directions. And so when I take people through up to this chapter, it's it's I, you know, I definitely want them to have what the book offers, but what they do on their own is really up to them. And so for me, for um, on page, you know, through 84 to 88, um, I used to read every day. Um, I do read it every day, but I just used to read through it every day. Now what I do with that, because I, I'm always trying to change um, change it up for me, and I've recorded it, my voice on the uh, on my um, my phone before, so that I could play the 80, 84 to 88. Um, I've read it, but now what I do today is I turn 84 to 88 into a prayer. So um, I go through all the reading, but I turn it into a personal prayer. And 
um, it's been a beautiful experience because it changes every day um, because I'm, I'm talking to God and it becomes more, more intimate in that I do write to God every day. Um, I don't, you know, ask people or I don't tell people that they have to do that, that I work with. Um, but I do give, you know, what I do just to help them maybe think about maybe broadening their, their uh, step 11 and, um, it's been a great, uh, a really a great, great practice for me. And, and as I continue with 11, my practice, you know, has developed and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's always changing. And, um, you know, the 11th step where, you know, where I, where I fall short, um, in carrying the vision of God's will in the areas of my life, um, I get to, I get to write about that in the in an intuitive way with God in the morning, and it helps me to get plugged in and in the right frame of mind because I don't always wake up, um, you know, in the right frame of mind and ready to go. So this practice has really helped me, and um, it, it kind of just really sets me up for the day. And I look at my plans for the day. I look at where I've been resentful, selfish, dishonest, and afraid that day and the day before. And this is. This is in the evening and in the morning and also at night. And I, I feel I need to do more. Um, I, I feel like I need to do it more than once a day. Um, so I do it in the morning and the evening. I just kind of look at page 86, you know, was I kind and loving towards all? Um, and, you know, not always because um, when I look at that, uh, was I kind and loving towards all? Not only in my actions, but also I add in my thoughts. So how, how are my thoughts today? Were they negative? Um, what could I have done better? Um, you know, uh, you know. Do I think my my practice helps me uh, uh, keep doing these things, or do I need more? You know, um, will I have enough God consciousness today? Um, kind of, do I know today when I'm not spiritually fit, or do I know when I'm when I'm in trouble? Um, you know, so step eleven really helps me stay on board with um, you know being in a position of neutrality and staying in a safe and protected way. Um, and I really take step uh, 10, 11, and 12 really to heart. And it's been a blessing for me to be able to uh, really practice this on a daily basis because it always goes back to my step one, my step one problem. And, and for me, I never want to be back in that dark hole. So um, step one really drives me into step 10, 11, and 12. And yeah, and I'll talk more about 12. Um, I'm going to turn it back over to Suzanne, who will pick up on Step 11. Thanks, Terry. So in Step 11, I want to start my day in a place of neutrality. I want to feel as full as I can of my higher power's presence. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take you through a part of the passage on awakening and share with you how I translate it for myself into practice. And so it starts on awakening. And the first thing that I actually do is I follow the instruction in the big book that says that I can follow my uh, religious um, morning devotion. So I do that. And then I ask my higher power to direct my thinking because my thinking has a history of being delusional. And then what I do is I take the opposite words of the character defects listed, self-pity, uh, dishonesty, and I ask to be imbued with 
the antonyms of those words. So I ask to be imbued with cheerfulness, great inner contentment, neutrality, extreme inner joy, balanced feelings, and imbued with genuine sincerity, diplomatic frankness, being pro-social, having positive feelings of good fortune, and being big and warm-hearted. And then I look at my calendar, and I review the 24 hours ahead, and I consider my plans for the day. And I trust myself because I have my higher power helping me. I know that today. And I can follow what I think is intuition. And if I make a mistake, I just do a 10th step and I learn from that. So I ask myself, what is in front of me today that I need to plan for? Uh, What events may work me up? Where do I need to be more mindful with my food? And what I mean by that is, do I have anything going on? Is my day um, packed, so do I need to bring my food with me? Or do I need to look at a menu on a restaurant? And so you can see a little bit of what I'm doing with On Awakening. And I also kind of want to share my nightly review because I had difficulty with the wording in the big book, so I changed it to when I retire at night, I constructively review my day. Was I cheerful? Connecting with my higher power, relaxing, taking it easy, changing gears when I'm tired, catching my thoughts. Was I diplomatic? Did I have clarity when talking with others? Did I notice more neutrality inside of me? Did I see others as children of God? Was I tolerant? Is there something that I need to turn over to my higher power because I have inner turmoil? Do I need to have a conversation with someone, clarify something, ask about something, discuss, remember to do something? Am I trusting my higher power in getting things done? stopping, staying within time parameters, going to bed on time. And so with that, I'm going to turn the time back over to Terry for working with others. Thanks, Suzanne. So step 12, um, I, I just kind of like to read the 12-step 12, 12 promises um, for step 12 um, uh, before I just talk a little bit about 12 and, and how it's been an instrument for my recovery. Um, so on page 89, it talks about um, practical experience shows that nothing will much ensure immunity from from drinking as intensive work with alcoholics or compulsive overeaters. It works when other activities fail. On page 89, it talks about um, life will take on new meaning, um, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship group, uh, group about you, to have a host of friends. This is the experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contacts with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Page 100 talks about the both you and new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. It says when we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. 
Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in the new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. Your job now is to be at the place where you can be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. And then page 102 talks about the power of God goes deep. And then 103, we have stopped fighting any, anyone or anything, even alcohol. So for me, for step 12, um, this is really, uh, it's, it's the, whole, the whole gist of the program, really. You know, I, I, I work the steps, and I have a spiritual awakening. And as the result of the steps, I get to pass that on to help somebody, somebody that's also in that dark, deep hole. And so when I'm working with others, um, like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, Suzanne and I do a lot of workshops with helping others, and it's been a great, great gift for that because we get the opportunity to have um, uh, people come together and build a community and get to know one, one another and actually do step work together. And when I'm working with individuals, what it looks like, um, I, you know, if someone comes to me and they ask me for sponsorship, I usually give them six questions to take into consideration. Um, and I ask them to sit with those six questions for three days. And on the third day, and I'm also sitting with them in those three days to make sure because I, I do, you know, my full-time job is working with others. So I do, I do so much. Sometimes I don't know what I do. So it allows me to sit in those three days too to make sure that I can give the time. And so on the third day, which is, um, goes in sync um, with the third step because in these three days um, what that practice is is about returning everything over to God. And on the third day, I asked them to email those questions back to me. And it has been a, a great gift um, because it really gets that person to think about, you know, the, the answers in those questions. And the great gift for me is that when, um, if, you know, if we decide to work together and continue the journey and if, if that uh, protege decides to, you know, uh, balk or, you know, get complacent, I always send them back those six questions so it's like it's been such a gift because they you know they they answered them in the beginning and so and then once I we come back together on those that third day you know I read them my sponsee ideal and if it's a go I give them you know what is needed for material and uh, I let I could just kind of lay it out for them what it's going to look like um, you know I, I usually if I'm working one-on-one -on -one, I usually tell them it's it's going to be no longer than a six-month process to um, beginning and end. Um, I always start with five-minute meditation with the protege just so that we can invite God into that time together. And um, we start out with um, usually the set-aside prayer. Um, and it's been such a gift for working with others. Um, I, I can't even, you, you know, I, I say it's my full-time job, um, uh, you know, you know, people say, you know, how how do you, you know, how do you do it? I've been retired for a long time, and it's my full-time job. And I just tell people, like, no, I don't get paid with a paycheck, but you can't put a price on the gift of watching someone else to recover and to help others. Um, and before I turn it back over to Suzanne, I just want to kind of leave you guys with this visual for step 12. Um, so I'm a visual. I always, I always, you know, kind of remember things um, as, 
you know, when I when I kind of think of a visual, it just helps me to remember more more quickly. And so, if you can picture us all on a donkey, right? And we're riding this road of freedom. So we're all on these donkeys, and you know, donkeys are, are pretty. They're they're they have excellent memory. They're intelligent. You know, they're gentle and calm, but they also can be very stubborn. And um, and I kind of look at this is me, you know. So so pitch yourself on this donkey. We're all riding on this road of freedom. And maybe some donkeys are big buck donkeys. Some donkeys are OA literature donkeys. Some donkeys lay down. Some donkeys keep going. Some donkeys are on fire. Some donkeys are rebellion. You know, some donkeys are disciplined. Some donkeys are undisciplined. You know, some donkeys are believers. Some some donkeys aren't. Um, but the moral of the story is, who am I to say my donkey is better than your, your donkey? And who am I to say your donkey won't work? Um, because the whole goal for the 12 steps is that every donkey is to work their own program and have their relationship with their God of their understanding or their higher power. And my goal today is to stay on my own donkey and meet other donkeys where they're at. So I just love that visual because, um, you know, it it doesn't matter where we are. We're all trying to tra travel that road of happy destiny. And I love what God is doing for me today. And every day I get to just stay on my donkey and ride in, um, in the wind with, with you all. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Suzanne, who will speak on step 12. Thank you, Terry. I just wanted to add the benefits that I see in uh, doing a workshop and working one-on-one. -on -one. The One of the things I like about doing workshops is that we can reach more people. And also, if sponsees are having a hard time finding their own sponsees, if they do the workshop again, they may find one there. And then the other thing I find is when people say, I'm afraid to sponsor or I won't be good or whatever. Sponsors who want to practice sponsoring can do so because we partner people up. And what they're doing is, you know, reading the book together and discussing it. And that's what I started doing when I first started sponsoring. And I like it because it keeps us all in the work I'll work one-to-one -one with people, and then I'll also have them come through a workshop with us. And as Terry said, their network increases. And, and it also gives us, everybody, permission to go through the steps again. And so I find all of that to be just super beneficial. And I'm going to kind of move out of step 12 now, and I'm going to do a little guided visualization with you. This is something that we do in our workshops, and we thought we would share it with you. So if you like, I invite you to close your eyes and to make yourself comfortable. To really feel your feet on the ground and notice that your feet are supported 
if you're sitting. And you can take a breath and just notice your breathing. You don't have to change anything. I'm just watching. have inner neutrality, we have to have had experienced conscious contact with a higher power. That starts in step two when we develop our own personal concept. And that concept has to be big enough to have our back at all times and be positive and loving. Steps 10 and 11 help us stay aligned with our higher power. They give us the directions to practice when we're off base. And inner neutrality is like a scale of 1 to 10. We're trying to live in the middle throughout the day. Trying to stay connected to our higher power. when we lose our way and notice we're agitated or doubtful, our higher power is getting our attention to return back to the comfort of the middle ground. Then we can also ask, what's a spiritual awakening? Is it a sense of an inner companionship that may feel like an inner warmth, a healing influence, a living presence, a direction, light, peace, humor, a strong sense of an image, a smiling face, a sense that something is looking over your shoulder, Or it may be something totally different and unique to you. The bottom line is that we have an inner assurance that we're not alone. And this presence can give us an inner rest. It enables us to relax from the strain of the world and it can bring us the joy of peace. It may not initially happen all the time. The experience may be one of the educational variety and it will grow stronger as you continue to practice pausing turning within and listening. And you can just sit with that for a moment. And we'll open our eyes. And I'll turn the special edition back over to Leah.
Thank you so much, Suzanne and Terry, for your instructive and thorough presentation this morning. The share ID for today's presentation, 14,226. That's 14226. Again, thank you for your beautiful presentation. Contact information for Suzanne and Terry will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question answer segment. You can pose a question to either Suzanne or Terry by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Katie G. Katie G. Suzanne G, I have a question. Suzanne G. Okay. Shelly S. Shelly S. Shelly. Sharon K. Jody Sam S. Sam S. Anyone else? Thus far, I have Katie G, Suzanne G, Sherry S, I believe, Sharon K, Sam S, Jody E. Anyone else in this group? Okay. Everybody, please mute. Sharon C. Yes, Sharon C. Thank you. And we'll hear from Katie G. Good morning, Leah. Thank you, Terry and Suzanne. What a beautiful presentation. Sincerely appreciate your <coughs> time and, and energy. Um, one of the things that was referenced is people going through a workshop again, um, and there's a lot of dialogue about that on this meeting, and I was hoping you could talk about um, people going through a workshop again, like starting on step one. Um, Perry, you talked a little bit about that. I um, was just hoping you could talk about that, like what um, what your experience is around that, um, going through the work again yourself, not just, um, not just carrying it to others. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Katie, for the question. Great to hear your voice. Um, uh, yes, my experience with that is um, people do rework the steps on a yearly basis, and it's my experience with that. It's been, um, and I'll just speak from my own perspective um, that why it's so important to continue to go through the work is because ego shows up and it will tell me that I'm doing good and that um, you know this is as good as it gets. And for, for me, it's really about. Uh, continuing this relationship with the God of my understanding, but also looking at the stuff um, where I might need God a little bit more in that area. So it all comes back to when I do workshops or take people through, it's usually people are looking for a deeper experience because they found, you know, maybe one, they got complacent or two that it's just, you know, they're just at flat line and, so with reworking the steps, it brings them to a first step truth again, whether whatever they're dealing with. But um, it also continues to uh, really look at areas in your life where you might not be bringing God in. So that's why I continue to do the work, because there's always areas that, you know, um, I'm agnostic in. And if I'm not looking at that, then um, uh, I c it could get me in trouble. So that's... Um, that's my, I don't know if Suzanne wants to add anything to that. Thanks, Katie, for the question. 
Thank you, Katie. Suzanne G., your turn. Hi there. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Suzanne G., and um, I have been in program for over three decades and have done very well. Um, but I have a question for Terry. Um, I did like the um, analogy of the donkey. <laughs> and um, I I do have a problem with sponsoring. I've never done really well with it. And one of the things I really struggle with is um, most of the people that I sponsor, you know, just continue to go back to the disease and then I get frustrated. So I was wondering if there was any help with that or suggestion. Terry. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks for the thanks for the question. And um my experience and I only share my experience. I I really don't really have an opinion to share, but with my experience with, with people that go back to the to the food or um again it's for me, it's always a step one issue because they they never had a good foundation on step one. So the way that I take people through, we spend quite a bit of time on the three sections, on the physical, the mental, and the spiritual malady, so that by the time you're out of step one, you're actually running to step two. And, um, and that has been my experience. It's always a step one issue because um, usually people did not really get they might have got the physical and they might have got the mental, but they didn't get the spiritual malady, which is we we often think that's outside of ourselves, and it's really what they're talking about. It's what's going on inside of me, and if I don't take care of that by working the steps, then the mental obsession will turn back up, and my best thinking will be telling me that it's okay to pick up. And um, so I spend quite a bit of time in step one with, with people, and that would be my answer. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Suzanne G. Is there a Sherry that had a question? Hi, Terry. This is Sherry. Thank you so much for your presentation today. It was just awesome. I love hearing when you talk about working with others because I've heard that from you for so long. Um, my question is step 10. Um, I do a thorough a spot inventory step 10. Um, I find it very difficult um, to pass that practice on to sponsees. Um, I want to hear how you do your step 10. I do spot inventory. Like, I don't do it at the end of the day. I don't do it when time is quiet. I don't do it. Spot inventory means spot to me, so that's the way my sponsor does it. So, But it's really hard for um, others to buy into that spot inventory. What is your experience with that? Thanks. Hi, Sherry. Um, thanks for the question. Great to hear your voice. Um, so for me, step 10 is, is, is kind of the walk-around step. It's my all-day step, like how am I interacting with the world? And so, again, you know, if I have a resentment or fear, you know, I'm, I'm turning to God first before I turn to others. Um, because it's really about being God-reliant and not people-reliant. And step 10 gives me that freedom to continue to turn to God. So some of the things that I do when I, when I go out into the world, you know, just as a reminder, you know, I'll say, God, you go first. You know, so I'm always inviting God into all my activities. Um, I don't do it perfect by any means, but that's kind of my, 
my thing that when I go out into the world, like I invite God into everything. And, and if fear comes up, you know, I turn to God, I ask God to remove it at once, you know, and, you know, I say the fear prayer, you know, God direct my thinking, um, you know, uh, please remove this fear and direct my th- thinking to what you would have me be. And, and so it gets me grounded again and replugged back in. And if there's fear that I'm walking through, actual, an actual fear that I might be walking through that day, I'll say, God, if I go do this, will you go with me? So that's kind of my, I, I just have these different things that I connect with, with God on a daily basis. And again, I don't do it perfect because I'm human. I fall short. That's why, you know, thank you, God, for step 11, you know, the nightly review, because I get to review where I missed the mark and where I might have ignored God in the day. And it helps me to set the tone for the next day. So I, I know to ask God for forgiveness of where I fell short and to ask for corrective measures for the next day. So um, I don't know if that, you know, that, that would be my, my answer. It's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of laid out how we, how we do it. And um, it's really the prayer is we ask God at once to remove them because we're turning, we're turning in, we're turning within to go out. And that's what I say. If I always go within, I'll never go without. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Sherry. Sharon Kay, your turn. Thank you, Leah. Uh, I'm not sure who, whether it was Suzanne or Terry, but I'd be very interested in the six questions you ask people when you're deciding whether or not to work together. Thank you. I believe Thanks. that was um, Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that was that Karen or Sharon? I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't get the Sharon. The question, Sharon. Sharon. Yes. Oh, thank you, Sharon, for the question. And yeah, so the so the six questions that I I just asked um, to uh, you know I asked I asked the protege or the person that's interested in sponsor you know the six questions and the first one is why do I want to do this work? Um, why now? Um, uh, the third question is am I willing to go to any lengths and what does that mean? Um, the fourth question is. Uh, where am I being dishonest with myself and others? Um, so it kind of helps people get really connected because if you're not being asked the question, you, you're probably not thinking about the answer. So um, that's one of the questions. And uh, the fifth question I ask, um, am I willing to work my program like my life depends on it? And the sixth question is, you know, um, the given, you know, will I pass this 12-step process on to others? And, and so I, I handled those six questions. I asked them to sit you know, in meditation with three days to really get connected with God. And when I sponsor others, it's really about, you know, I really, really try to get them reconnected to a power greater than themselves. And so, you know, I actually get them, uh, try to get them connected to, uh, I don't want to be the problem solver, but I do want to help them get to the problem solver. So this Mm -hmm. kind of starts them off in a way to get connected and, um, come up with their own, you know, what God gives them in this, in, in this time of meditation. And it's been really effective, um, really, really effective. So thanks for the question. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Okay. Sam S., star one to unmute. Thank you so much, um, everybody, for your service. Um, my question this morning is um, for, for either um, – Either uh, chair is what would you say or suggest um, when there seems to be a problem and every time that you do an inventory and do work and get some you know release and, and serenity and you know um, 
comfort from your higher power and then the problem just keeps kind of spiraling further and further my problems you know kind of like with work it just keeps getting it keeps building every time I, I feel some relief so just wondering if you have any um, suggestions thank you hey Suzanne I'm going to turn that over to you I've done enough talking oh you want me to answer it okay so what I've done when I've been in that situation is there are a couple things. One is that what I'm doing in the tenth step is I'm I'm watching my thought process. And so what I do is I'm really looking and trying to enlarge my noticing when my thoughts start being negative. And so that's why, like, I really want to be taking some time in the morning, especially before I'm going to a situation that's going to potentially be difficult for me. And so in my step 11, I'm praying on it before I even get there. Um, I'm usually praying along as I go. I'm still, like, kind of trying to watch my thoughts and then what I'm doing is I am asking myself, you know, I, so I'm doing my 10th step. And then so I, if I come home that evening and I'm bothered by it and it is something that's gone on and on, I do continue to inventory it. I will talk with my sponsor and I don't, I, I'm, when I have a problem that, is not going away, and I'm, and it's something that I'm sponsoring that I'm looking at more than once. Um, there's a couple of things that I notice, um, but one of the things I want to say is that I only use my sponsor or someone. Who, well, I just use my sponsor. I some people will get other people to listen to their inventories. And I like just using one person because that person knows my history and that person can really kind of take a look to see where I'm, what spiritual principles I'm not using. The other thing that I really do too is I'll add pages 60 to 63 in my morning meditation and I'll read that on a daily basis because I want to be sure that I'm not playing God in this situation and there may be things that I don't understand at this point because I'm still walking through something. I haven't gotten to the other side of it. And so what the experience is doing is that it's really teaching me trust in my higher power. It's teaching me patience with my higher power. And when I am inventorying it and when I'm doing, if I'm doing fifth steps, what I notice for myself is I get different information every time I do a fifth step, even if it's on the same type of a problem. And that for me, it's like I'm getting deeper in digging out that root. And I also need... For me, it was really, really important to have a six and seven that really 
made sense to me and that I really experienced. And because I've had enough experience with step seven and seeing things being lifted, at this point in my recovery, I trust that there's going to be an ex- that something's going to be different. And I went through a very, very difficult, the, the scariest thing in my life where, and it was with a work situation, and I did do a tremendous amount of inventory with it. And I also really needed to be, I was talking to old timers because I really needed to be very grounded and not have myself all over the place. And that experience, when I finally came through the other side and people would say, just hold tight, hold tight. And when I came through the other side, something happened and opened up that I never ever in my wildest dreams would have imagined would have happened. And it made me believe even deeper in my higher power totally being there for me. So that's what I do when I have something that's very difficult and when I'm walking through something that's really hard for me. So I hope that's helpful for you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam S., for the question. Jody E., your turn. Thank you, Leah, and thank you, Terry and Suzanne, for your presentation. My question is about how you got started giving workshops. Where did you give them in your home intergroups? Um, and how? what would you suggest for anyone interested in starting to do workshops? Suzanne, go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll um, come on the back. Sure. I actually don't remember how Perry and I started other than we worked the big book uh, in a similar fashion. We There's lots of different ways you can work with the big book, and there's lots of different processes, as I said earlier. And so we're both on the same page with the process that we're doing. And there are a number of people that actually also do workshops. We're not the only ones. So I think that's probably how we started. And um, I, you want to keep on going, Terry? I'm, I can't remember any more of the, oh, um, who, okay, so Terry's in Maine and I'm in California. So when we work together, were doing teleconferences, and so so that's what we're doing there. And then we just um, ask people if they're interested. We just you know put it out there. Um, the other thing uh, that we do too is that um, we will sometimes just specifically ask. Um, certain people if they're interested and I have run local uh, groups uh, and I do them out of my house and Terry also has run you know groups on her own too 
Terry, it's all yours. Thanks, Suzanne, and thanks, Jody, for the question. And my experience with that is I started um, here in Maine doing face-to-face -face workshops. Um, people were interested in the process that I was doing, and so I've been, I started doing several um, several just face-to-face -face workshops, and it was, it, it was a gift to see people actually um, come to light um, through the process. Um, and it was a commitment. I, I will tell you, when I do face-to-face uh, -face workshops, they're usually um, closed, so it, it is a commitment, and it's uh, closed is so that not just anybody can come in. And and uh, Suzanne and I, like she said, had met through you know the same going through the same process, um, and so we've been able to do a lot of telephone workshops, which has been another gift. Um, you know, just to be able to uh, just carry the message all over and allow people, you know, just have, you know, have people have a different experience with the process. And, you know, I would suggest that if you are interested in doing a workshop is it's a great way to start out with a sponsee or someone that, you know, um, might be doing the same process. Cause the, the, the thing about the big book, it's so beautiful, but if we all did the big book the same way, even though there's clear cut directions, we probably would be bored with each other. So, that's the gift of, of taking people through because you've taken them through the way that you've been taken through. So it's always good to start with, um, you know, maybe some people that are, you know, in the same lineage or in the same process or um, so that you're both on the same page when you take others through. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been a gift for me with the workshops because it's like, you know, Suzanne had mentioned earlier that we get to help many more um, because it is a, a we're on a life and death errand, and um, it's a gift to be able to help more than one person at a time. But I love still working one on one too, so I do both. So thanks for the question, Jody. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jody E. Sharon C. Star one to unmute. Yes, hello. Thank you so much for that wonderful presentation. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I've been. Uh, in program for decades, but I still have a confidence, I guess, problem, um, and I go to go to my higher power. Um, but I was wondering if it's possible that I need specially uh, to practice the sponsoring uh, part um, because of the confidence, and if there's a way to get into the telephone workshops. Whoever would like to answer. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> we, we just need to unmute, too. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's, it's all good. So uh, what you can do is you can uh, either contact uh, Perry or myself. At the, um, we'll give our contact information out. And um, we can, you know, kind of go from there. Terry? Yeah, I would I would just say the same thing, you know, take our contact. Um, we're always doing workshops. Um, we're actually just started one. Um, this will be our second week. So um, there's a couple ways that we do it when we take people through. You know, if you've never been through the steps, um, you know, it's a little bit 
you know, maybe a six-month process where, where people have already been through the steps and want a new experience, we um, do a three- to four-month um, workshop. So um, because there's not a lot of explaining, you know, about the work um, when you're redoing the work. So that's how we get to able to shorten it up. But I would, yeah, just take our information and we can, you know, keep you posted. And um, Suzanne and I do a lot with the, with the chaos and control because it's really – after you put the food down, it's about the emotional sobriety. So we've been able to be of service in that area also. So thanks for the question, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon C. Okay, we can take a few more. Who else has a question on their minds? More Z. More Z. Chris S. Chris S. Elena C. Elena C. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And one more. Florence S. Florence S. Okay. Thank you. Let's start off with Marzi. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Terry and Suzanne. Very much. Very much appreciated. I'm redoing my steps because I succumbed to this disease again back in December. I'm in the middle of doing my fourth and fifth, but I have a very specific question about sponsoring, which I so miss doing, but, you know, I'm not in a position to do it away right now. So my question is this. When I was sponsoring, which I hope to do again, um, I had the hardest time with the 10 steps, A, convincing them to do them, and B, when they did do them, they would get caught up on the fear inventory. The last column where it says, what would God have you be? They very often answered the question with, what would God have me do? And I would love to hear some, some, some experience, strength, and hope on, on how you can get that piece turned around. And, and the, the first part was, how do you get them to follow your experience and do 10 steps? And thank you so very much. So it's Suzanne. I just kind of want to let you know that I did drop off. So if you don't, if you call my name and you don't hear me, that's what's happened and I'll get back on as soon as I can. But um, on... So there's a couple of things. One is that I, um, you know, with the 10th step, if I've had an experience, if I've had um, an awakening of any kind in steps one through nine, I want to do 10 steps because, like, my personal experience was I didn't want to go I didn't want to have to do, I found when I made amends, they were so scary for me that I didn't want to get myself in that situation again. And that was like kind of um, pain sometimes is, uh, and fear are big motivators for myself. So, and that's kind of like one of the reasons why for me, like, I did a couple of big book um, processes before I found one where I really had an experience with the steps. And 
prior to step 10, when I was in steps 2 through 9, I had started feeling a, a, a presence. It, for me, it was a direction. That's what I um, the experience was. So, so I just kind of want to share that um, with you. Uh, the way that I do my 10 steps may also be a little different um, because what I'm doing is I'm recognizing, I'm listening, I'm really kind of doing basically a mindfulness practice where I'm, which is very, which is a practice and it's not necessarily, when I started doing it, easy um, to do and even today it's not always um, easy to do. I have to... um, because I can have the spiritual malady um, on one side of my mind, and then what I'm doing is I'm trying to hold this balance of neutrality on the other side. And so what I'm doing um, when I'm in that state is I'm, I'm doing a, a lot, of um, praying and for my higher power because the, the next we watch and then we ask our higher power to remove. And so that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to, I'm, I'm praying to my higher power to remove what's bothering me. And then what I'm doing is if I'm at a kind of a balanced state where I can talk to somebody, because with step 10 we're talking about people, with step 11 we're talking about situations, so then what I'm doing is if I need to have a conversation with somebody, if I need to make an amend, um, first I need to be clear on my side of the street in that conversation. And then what I do is I try directly to talk with that person if I'm at a place of being neutral enough that I'm not going to lose it, that I'm not going to make matters worse. And if I'm not, that's when I pick up the phone, and that's when I call somebody because I or um, contact somebody, even if it's not, you know, making kind of a phone call. But I need help in seeing what spiritual principle I'm not using at that moment. And I don't um, talk to someone or make an amend to someone until I've, I've, I've done that. And so that's how I'm working with Step 10. Terry? Yeah, you did. I'm going to pass on that. You did. You, you covered it. Thank you, Maura Z, for the question. Chris S., your turn. Chris S., star one to unmute. Can you hear me now? Sorry. This is Chris. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Chris S. I'm anorexic and I'm very grateful to have heard um, Terry and Suzanne this morning and thankful for everybody's service here. Um, I guess, you know, my question is, 
um, I'm even a little afraid to say it, like time-wise. I mean, I do have certain issues of I, in order to support myself, I have a job and I have to get up at a certain time. I do have a dog. I have, you know, I do speak with my sponsor in the morning and then it's like get off to the job, get through the job. I have certain health issues. I have to come home and I cook a little dinner once in a while, go to an evening meeting, but mostly my meetings are during the day or the weekend and then get to bed by 8.30 so I can get up again the next day by 8.30, go to bed by 8.30 so I can get up the next day by 5.30. And I do put prayer meditation. I have a certain um, routine with my sponsor. And when I listen to you guys, I'm like, wow, this could be great. I could do like another uh, a workshop like this that I've never done. And, you know, with my physical issues and the rest that I need and at the job that for today I'm at, um, I, I wonder if, if I could have the time. And then my other thought is like, well, maybe if you went through the steps again and were able to have a significant experience again, uh, the, the job situation could possibly, you know, evolve and, and move forward. I heard the, the, the response before of someone saying about their job situation really changed. I think it was you, Suzanne, changed quite a bit. Um, but it took a lot of work and a lot of time. And I've been working on this for a long time um, with the situation and everything. It's not perfect, but I'm just wondering time-wise with my issues, could I, you know, would it, would it be prudent for me to try and sign up for a workshop like your guys's? Thank you. That's my question. Terry, do you want to um, yeah, I'll just I'll I'll, ch I'll chime in. Um, thank you, Chris, for the question, and I think that's the biggest question, you know, for for most of us because it's it's um, you know I'll just share my experience with that. You know, I would say I don't have the time, but I always say God always arranges the time, and so that's why you know meditation, sitting with that question, you know, do I have the time or am I overcommitting? Um, because the other piece of that, you know, the emotional sobriety piece that we work on is like, am I, am I creating more chaos for myself and, you know, more, more, um, more unmanageability uh, to set myself up. But uh, for me with working with others, I always say God always arranges the time and um, the workshops, you know, if you can commit to an hour a week, um, you know, w with the workshop and then outside, you know, of the workshop to meet with your, your step partner. Um, and that's probably another hour. So two hours a week, um, is not really, not really much time when you think about, um, it's saving your life. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like, um, you know, um, is it time for me to, uh, make some time for myself to rework the steps or to take others through? And, um, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Chris S. Our next question comes from Elena C. Can you hear me? Can I you hear do. Me? Mm -hmm. Good morning. Thank you, the two of you, for your wonderful presentation and for the questions. I have a question in terms of when you are um, doing Sub 10 and 11, um, and I know you check yourself out of this character defects and... <clears throat> You know, what do you use? How do you do it in a way that you're not hard on yourself? Um, and how do you honor yourself and the 
you know, the nature of our human, hum, humanness. We are humans, and we're going to make mistakes. And, um, you know, of course, I get you, you've got to keep on working on it. But, you know, it's how do you honor yourself in this 10, 11, and 12? Thank you for the question. Carrie or Suzanne? Sure, I'll, I'll start off. Suzanne, so, I'll let you take that one. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I a mistake for me, the way that I look at a mistake, quote unquote, is that it shows me how to how to be how to get free. Um, because usually what's happening in my mind is I'm kind of, I'm going around in circles and I'm going around in circles with anger or with um, anxiety or f- frustration and I can't on my own power get myself out of that. So I welcome doing um, doing these um, steps. So like with what you you said, it's like I don't want to if I'm kind of self-bashing myself, like I don't, I don't want that. That's, um, it doesn't feel good. I'm not in neutral at all. And so that's what pushes me to do my 10th step. And, and, and it also pushes me to do, uh, when I've done a fourth step, to do a fifth step. And it didn't come the first time around. Um, you know, I was very nervous when I was new, you know, with, doing fifth steps but I've done so many of them that when something bothers me today I immediately write and if it's something that um, is not going away I immediately write uh, up a fourth step and I'm on that phone um, making an appointment with my um, sponsor because I know the, the way that we do fifth steps is I'm going to get some feedback and I, 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 that feedback is what really helps me be free because I can't always exactly see the depth of what my character defect is and because I have an effective way um, that character, you know, I, because I've seen my higher power take away my character defects, I see it more as I'm getting free, and at some point, my higher power is going to take it away. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't worry about that. Um, I'm just grateful that I've done it. And the other thing too is, when I'm looking at my day, I'm also looking. Uh, when I, I'll say the third step prayer in the morning. The, in the third and the seventh step, and I'll do that sometimes at night too. And so I'm trusting that I'm going with the flow of the day. That for me is what the third step prayer is about. And then I'm trusting that my higher power is going to do something possibly with the seventh step. And so, and so I'll go through my day, and if I see something switch with that seventh step at all during the day, it, it may not all be removed, but if I see any kind of movement with that, I send tons of gratitude to my higher power. And then in the evening, if I don't, it, it's the same thing. Like, I'll review my day, and if there's not any movement on that, I'll pray and I'll ask my higher power 
to help me tomorrow. I'll say the seventh step prayer again and then the next morning too. So that's what I do, and that's how I look at um, doing 10 steps. Now, I can totally relate to the question prior to me finding a step process that really worked for me because that's what frustrated me too with the 10th step is that I kept on trying to do stuff and it just didn't seem to work. And so for me, it was really going back and finding a process where I really had an experience through each of the steps. Thank you for the question. Yes, thank you, Elena C., for your question this morning. Our final question for today comes from Florence S. Hi. Um, I think it's, hi, Leah. It's Florence S., like Frank. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I haven't been on the line for a while. Um, what a beautiful presentation. Just what I needed to hear. Um, great. Um, somehow the importance of gratitude came up to me from all of this. So I just have kind of a, an academic question. I'm curious how you're thinking, and maybe I missed the first part of the presentation, maybe cover this, but um, let me preface this by saying this. I'm a, I'm a, I hope this is okay, and it, because there's another program has a workshop uh, presenters called Joe and Charlie, and I love them. They're podcasts, and they're on the big book, and what could be better? So I'm, I'm for all this. I just wonder... In your thinking, um, you know, we're supposed to be forever non-professional, and I, I sort of heard that people don't pay for this. So, but how do you think about that? As um, <laughs> I just put on the line, like people may st think, start to think of you as as uh, authorities or some version of that, and and how that plays out in your your thinking, because it's very, I think it's kind of a, a great bold move to to do this, and and probably very needed. So that's my question. Hope that makes sense. Thank thanks, Florence. Yeah, thanks, Florence, for the question. That was a great question, and I I never want to be known as a an authority figure by any means. Um, we just I, I look at I look at what we do as just being trusted servants and and just trying to help others, and that's our goal. Like Susan and I, we're on a lot of the same page, and even with our ideals, we have a workshop ideal that we we um, put together. You know, she'll write up something, and I'll write up something, and then we'll come together and and bring that in to create one workshop ideal that our goal is. So this time our workshop goal was to, you know, um, to, to ensure, ensure people's recovery, you know, to make sure that they, you know, try to have them have a flow, flow, flow process um, without um, any, uh, you know, any, any stuff in the way and that God is, you know, uh, he's really leading both of us through this workshop. So we, I really try to stay um, humble at all times. Like I, I get to help others and I don't take that for granted by any means and um, never want to be looked at as an authority figure because there's one who has all power and it's definitely not me. And all the credit goes to God that, um, you know, he works through us to help others. And that's, that's the gift of the program. So um, hopefully mm -hmm. that answers your question. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Florence S., for your question. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Terry and Suzanne, for sharing your personal experience and your personal insights with all of us today, taking yeah. us 
back to the directions of the text. Thank you very much for all that you do for Overeaters Anonymous. We're on page 164 right now, closing the way we always close. It happens to be from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.